0: Hello, and welcome to the Grove Church Podcast. I'm Charlie Lofton, the lead pastor there, and we are so glad that you're joining us. Whether you are a member and you're just catching up on a sermon that you missed, or you're someone who's brand new, we are really glad that you are joining us. And if you are new in some way, and I know that a lot of people will do that, will listen to sermons first before they visit, I want you to know that we would love to meet you at any point. You can join us live in our services on Sunday, 9 and 1030, or our streaming Service at ten thirty. Either way, we would love to be able to get to know you. And regardless of why you are here, uh, listening to this sermon today, thank you so much for joining us.
1: All right. Well, hey, good morning. I'm Mark, Executive Pastor, and I uh, want to welcome you also. Uh, we are in this series uh, second week where we're talking about some of the just really core things of what it means to be a Christ follower, what it means to be His church. Uh, I, I love this passage that we're looking at from, from Matthew, where Jesus is asked the question, you know, what is it? What's the core of it? What's the, what's the greatest commandment? And he, he gives the summation, you know, the heart of it, the one, the couple to rule them all. Uh, I feel like, you know, that's, that's uh, if we don't know that, if we miss that, then we're missing the whole bag. And a lot of times we haven't looked at it very closely, and so this is going to be a great chance for us to do that. I hope you were here last week to hear Charlie kick that off, and uh, I'm going to follow up on that today. Um, there was a story earlier this week, you might have seen this in the news, that I just have not been able to shake. <laughs> when you hear the story, that's kind of funny. Uh, there was this, this lady in Texas that was mowing her yard, and uh, all of a sudden, a snake fell out of the sky and landed on her. I mean, I've never known that you were supposed to be worried about this when you were mowing. But snake fell out of the sky, immediately started to strike, attack her. In particular, on the face, uh, it was going after her eyeballs for some reason. The glasses, her glasses protected, and uh, and then wrapped itself around her arm, and she, she couldn't get you know get it to get off there. And then a, a hawk, who had dropped the snake, then comes down to retrieve the snake, and then the hawk attacks her and is, you know, trying to fight her to get the snake back, and she's like, you can have it, you know, but then it, 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 it gets a hold of the snake and starts to pull the snake off of her arm, and I, I can't even imagine what that looked like. Like, I don't know if her feet came off the ground in this struggle, or, uh, but, you know, I don't, I don't know that she went airborne, but eventually the snake gave, gave loose, and, and it took the snake away. I feel like in that moment, after that, you know, probably what was no more than 10 seconds or something, I just can imagine standing there just going what? <laughs> or like that movie, nope, I didn't, that didn't just happen. There's no way that just happened. Um, and I also thought, man, you know, in that moment, you sure are glad that you wore your glasses that day, yep. which uh, has always been a thing for me when it comes to mowing the yard. I, uh, I know you're supposed to. I know you're supposed to wear your glasses and protect yourself, especially when you're weed eating. Uh, It always happens that I'm well into it, and then I hit a a pebble or something, and it hits me about right here, you know, and I go, oh, man, I should probably have glasses on. Now, the question of whether I'm actually going to put the glasses on at that moment or whether I'm just going to continue, I'm almost done. It'll be just fine. What are the chances that it's going to move over that half an inch over and take out my eyeball next time? You know, oh, that'll be okay. Now, maybe I've got an additional reason because a snake might fall out of the sky, and who knows what might happen? Uh, you know, there are a lot of things like that that we, we know are, you know, that would be a good thing to do. That's a great suggestion. You know, when the big box shows up from Amazon and there's a picture on the side that's got two guys lifting the box and it's like a team lift. You're supposed to team lift this box and you're like, I got it. I can pick up this box. Or like the time that I was with uh, some friends in Colorado and we we're going to whitewater raft uh, out there. And I didn't really take into account the difference in snow melt water and Arkansas river water, you know, in the summer. And the guy, when we're checking out, it's like, hey, and this is how much a wetsuit is. And me and this guy looked at each other. He's actually a pastor at another church in town. We looked at each other we're like, wetsuit? wetsuit. <laughs> it's summer. What are you talking about? So then we jump in. Everybody else has a wetsuit on. And the first wave that we hit, and one drop of water comes up and pierces Mike's core, like an <laughs> icicle. And I look over at him, and he looks over at me and both of us. you could just, We didn't have to say anything. Both of us, this is going to be a long day. The picture from that trip that we have, everybody else is all happy. And, you know, he and I are standing there like this, and we're blue. I mean, you can see the color of our skin is blue. Bad decision. That was... That was not a suggestion, even though it came across as a suggestion. I didn't feel like that was authoritative in me, in my life, and I didn't want to spend the money for a wetsuit, and I'd be just fine. And so I just pressed right past that one, you know? You know, these commands that we're talking about in this, uh, in this series, in this passage in Matthew 22, there's a great question. I mean, is, are these suggestions? Are, are they, is it just a suggestion that we love the Lord, our God with all of our heart soul and mind? That we, we love our neighbor as ourselves? Is that just a, a suggestion? Or is it something that, that's really expected, that it's, it's much more than that? Um, also, I think that a lot of times when we think about commands, we immediately think of a command as like a, some kind of border or a boundary that keeps us from something. You know, I do not. It's interesting that, that these commands that Jesus points out when he's asked, what are the greatest? What he points out are to do commands. These are things that you should do, that you should take initiative toward, which begs the question, and these aren't so much restrictive, not so much limiting, but is the possibility that the following these commands is actually actually widens the opportunities, broadens the scope, enriches your life. Are these commands towards something or, or away from something? To me, it sounds like Jesus is, is saying, hey, the critical thing about this is not only the difference, it's, it's the difference that it makes in you. The, the life that you are wanting, the life that God has for you, the best place is found in pursuit of these commands. And so I'll just read the passage. This is is the same passage from last week. Uh, We're going to look at the second half really today, but I'll just read this whole part again. It's Matthew chapter 22, verses 34 to 40. It says, When the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together, and one of them, a, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first, this is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depends all of the law and the prophets. Okay, get that that in your mind. We're going to talk about some of the specific things that he says here. Love the Lord God with all your heart. Love your neighbor as yourself. Now, this summer in particular, maybe it's uh, that, you know, all of that thing that happened the last few years is kind of behind us. I've just noticed that folks are traveling a lot, have seen a lot of friends, had a lot of conversations, seen a lot of pictures of people going some really cool places to do some some really cool things. In fact, one of Terry's teacher friends, she uh, she made a trip to Thailand and uh, she was asking early about that because they wanted, they were planning out all the things they were going to do on their trip. They were going to, you know, hang out with the elephants, and she wanted to find the best place to the elephants. She knew we knew a little bit about the place, so she was asking questions. And then I was surprised that when they made the trip, she, Terry showed me a picture of this, this beach. And I, I, I couldn't tell you the name if you asked me, but 20 years ago, I was on the same beach, and it has been forever the place for me that I'm like, I mean, that... That's it. I can't even describe how beautiful it is, to y'all. There's like these huge cliffs on both sides. Uh, you know, the water it comes in there, but there's not really any waves inside this like two or three football field, you know, space where the water is just about right here, and it is perfect. And the picture that she sent was that. It was like that's it. It has not changed in 20 years. That's the same place. And uh, of course, man, all these different stories of people going different places. And you know the thing that I never, you know, all of the planning, all of the preparation, all the things can look a lot of different ways to go a lot of different places. But there's a few things that are critical to open that up. One, you're not going anywhere without a passport, right? There's no give or take in that. You don't go up, show up at the airport and say, yeah, uh, I'm planning to go to this place outside the country. Oh, passport, I, you know, that didn't come through in time, but I'm still planning to go. No, that actually happened to me one time. I was leading a mission team to Taiwan, and the night before the trip, I went to where I thought my visa was, I mean, my passport was, and it wasn't there. And so, guess what? I didn't go. I didn't go. There's a better story to that. I actually ended up getting to go, but it was miraculous. Um, but yeah, you don't, you don't go somewhere with, without a passport. And the second is like it. Catch that. The second is like it. If you, uh, you know, most places in the world, you have to have a visa, which is that country saying, "Hey, this, we're going to allow this person to be," and this, these are the requirements about when, how long they can stay, and what they can do. And so, the passport and the visa are not questioned. They, like that's critical. Those are things that have to be true. Jesus calls out these these things. This is this is the the profile of this person. They love the Lord your God with all their soul, strength, mind, and then. They love their neighbor as themselves. And the question of, man, is obedience to this command required? Or is it just a suggestion? You know, we like to just put everything in the category of a suggestion. We don't really like for things to be really expected. And yet, these, this sums up what our God, creator God, expects and wants for us. And I thought about this. You know, what are the reasons that we don't take commands, especially commands of Scripture, seriously or other commands in our life? One of them is we, you know, we really don't think that the person making the command has all that much authority. And as I walk through these, I'm going to maybe challenge you to consider in your own heart how much authority does this, this command, and even when Jesus, like, sums up and says, this is it. How much authority do you feel that has upon what you do today? Does does he have the authority to make that call? You know, I I think it's interesting in Matthew 28, when he talks to his disciples, he gives what's called the Great Commission. He begins it by saying, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now go, therefore, and make disciples. I mean, Jesus calls it out. Like, Like, he's the one that has the authority To make a command that is obligatory, uh, you know, it's expected to be followed by the people who follow him, the Creator God, the, the, the expectation that he has upon us. So he has the authority. So that that question should be out. If you've got some question in your heart or whether he has that authority, that's something that you really need to go to him with and start to work on. Does he have the authority to make the call and call shots in my life? The second thing, I think a lot of times we don't trust the motives of the one making the call. Is, is God giving us this command? Does it have anything to do with our ultimate good? Is, can He be trusted? Is it actually to our harm? You know, I've, I've seen sometimes that I have not obeyed authority 100% because I didn't trust it. And again, this has happened a lot of times overseas because maybe you've had this experience, but like, for instance, you, you walk out of an arrival hall in an airport in a lot of places of the world. And it is just, man, anybody and everybody is attacking you with different things. They're trying to sell you, different things they're trying to get you to do. Uh, they're making it feel like it's expected or like you have to. And so they'll catch a lot of people off guard with, hey, you know, you come here and talk to us. That this happened to us one time in Mexico. We we got pulled to a desk and the guy started trying to sell us something, but he had on an official suit and looked like we were supposed to do it. And so we just did what we were. And then we were like, no, no, from now on we are. Walk, look, and we know where we're going, and we are walking and no matter what anybody says, we're gonna whatever suit they have on. Uh, this would happen a lot of times in India. People would, there would be a security guard, and they'd have a double-barreled shotgun, but it would never be loaded. It was like looking very official, like there was some authority, but actually no authority. And so we learned we're just going to walk as quick as we can to the place that we're going and not listen to anybody. This summer, we got to take our, our twins, Darcy and Jack and, and Brennan, uh, on a trip, and, uh, and Jack right before we got off the plane, I'm like, here's the deal, guys. We're going to walk through this arrival hall. There's going to be people yelling at us and saying all kinds of things, and we're not going to stop. We're not going to give them attention. We're going to walk right to the place that we're going, and we're going to get in our car, and everything's going to be fine. So then we walk out. We get our luggage. We're walking through there, and this guy starts talking to us, and Jack says, hey, Dad. Dad, that guy, he says he wants to talk to us. Yeah, dude. I told you, there's going to be people that said that, bro. We just had this conversation. I'm not listening to him. And The guy's like, yeah, you know. And he's like, but he, but he's act, looks like he's a fit, like we're supposed to talk to him. But no, man, come on. I don't trust that guy. I don't care what what he's trying to sell me. He has no authority, and I don't trust his motives. The other thing, a lot of times, I don't uh, think we believe that there will really be any consequence, or cost if we don't obey the command, you know? On this same trip, we, uh, we got through security in the other place and we were walking you know, past it and then Terry realized that she had left her watch back in the security area. And so she went back and I didn't follow her back. Uh, she told me the story and if you know my wife, you can imagine what this might've looked like. She walked up and one of the security ladies had her watch and Terry said, that's my watch. And she said, well, is it your watch? And she started like asking her questions and looking at somebody else. And uh, Terry just grabbed it out of her hand and said, yes, it's my watch. And she just walked off. <laughs> uh, yeah, because there was no respect. Terry had no respect for what might happen. She, yeah, she's going to grab the watch and I'm going to walk off and she might say something to my back while I'm walking away, but they're not going to chase me down. Same trip, we're coming back. We're at the U.S. Uh, side, walking through security. They pull our bag and me and Brennan are like, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Open bag. Yes, sir. We're doing. Why? Because we know there's going to be a consequence if we don't do the thing. There's there's some weight behind the person who's asking for that from us. So y'all, when we look at these commands, I mean, our God is is good. The commands are toward our personal best, right? He has the authority to make it. His motives are pure. And yeah, there's a there's a consequence. There's a cost if we choose to go our own way, both, you know, for the people that we might love and for us being involved in what he's doing in loving others. And then there's also a question, and these are just questions that jump out to me as I I look at this passage, but in what way is the second command like the first? That's always been interesting to me, that he says, love the Lord your God, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. One thing—it's interesting. Both of these are—it's not the "do not" commands. You know, the, the lawyer says, "What are the big commands?" It's not like, well you, "Well, you know," it's "do not do this" and "do not do this." No, it's—it's it's, these are initiative-taking commands, love. Both love—you take initiative, you take action to to love. They're action commands, and uh, and also they're the same in their size, volume, quantity, quality. You notice he says, love the Lord your God with all that you are. All of you. All in. Number one priority. Everything that you have. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor to the degree that you love yourself. And y'all, I know, I mean, I've had bouts myself with how much I, I love myself and you know, how, how I see myself in the mirror and what I think about myself. I know we all, there's some self-image and care and love that we all struggle with, but let's be honest. I'm going to make sure that my needs are met, <laughs> you know? I'm going to take care of me. I'm going to do the things for me that make me comfortable, that meet my needs. I'm going to make me a high priority to me. Even if it's not convenient or out of my way, I'm going to make sure that the number one has what he needs, so it's an all-in kind of love. Love your neighbor like you love yourself. That's a, that's a huge deal. It's not, it's not halfway. You know, on this, uh, on this same trip, Brennan wanted to go surfing, and uh, if there was the opportunity, and there was the opportunity at this place to, to do that, and so I, I booked that for him, but my thought was you know, I'll just go along with him and I'll sit on the beach and I'll watch him and cheer for him and that'll be fine and, you know, I'll just enjoy a relaxing day watching him surf. But then I realized, you know, man, I've always wanted to surf and I've never had the chance to try and if I'm going to be there, I might as well. Maybe I didn't take into account my age or that all of the muscles required to do this sport uh, I was not prepared for, Um, And obviously, he got out there and just popped right up and made it look really easy. I did not make it look really easy. In fact, I I saw in his eyes and the guide's eyes and the other lady that was with us some real concern about my survival (laughs) chances in this activity. I also discovered that, you know, unlike maybe you go skiing behind a ski boat, and you you try a few times, you get up, you ski, and then you get on the boat, and you relax for a little bit, and then for a the little bit, you want to go back out, you go back out, you you do it like that. I had kind of pictured it like that. That's not the way surfing is, especially with waves like this. Like, you you dive past and get past those first breakers, and then you're out there, and you don't come in and go out. You 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 stay out there, and when you're out there, you're in the ocean, and like, the water's trying to take you somewhere. It's trying to do something with you, and it's big, and it's powerful, and you're having to fight back against it. I never do that when you're surfing, like, you have to hold your neck up the whole time, and my neck was killing me, and then I got thrashed a few times. I mean, like, thrashed, and it took a lot to get back out there, and then I'm like, well, I'll just kind of sit over there and let those young folks go, and I'll just kind of wait and cheer for them, but then this guy, man, y'all, he kept on going, Mr. Mark, Mr. Mark, come on, it's your turn. Mr. Mark, no, you're getting too far away. The water's taking you. You got to swim back this way, swim back this way. He would not let me do anything because if I, if I stopped, then I would end up at the other end of the ocean, <laughs> and he had, yeah, I guess he was responsible for my life. You know, another thing I think is just really weird is that we planned this whole deal, and it wasn't until about 4 a.m. in the morning that Brendan and I both woke up and went, ah, oh, there's probably some sharks in that water. Should we be worried about sharks? I'm Googling what sharks are in that water at 4 a.m. in the morning. Uh, But what I realized is that surfing is not something that you just do halfway. It is is an all-in activity. And y'all, we gotta embrace the fact that what our God is calling to and what this demands is not halfway. There's just not there's not a halfway option. He, He doesn't leave that up for our choice it's 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 all in it's love him all in and the second is like it you love your neighbor all in as, as as much as you would even love yourself it's it's an all in kind of thing and so when you evaluate yourself and you evaluate our community one big question is man are we are we loving this is the core love him all in love each other all in are we are we committed to that and then the next thing that uh it's so obvious, this question, that actually in the Luke 10 version of this story, our very similar encounter, um, the, law, the lawyer then asks, well, who is my neighbor? Right? Isn't that honestly, if you, if you dial deep down in your heart, that's the question that you start to ask? Who, who is my neighbor? So, so I'm supposed to love my neighbor. Well, there are 8 billion people on the planet, and there's a lot of need, overwhelming amount of need around me out there. Who am I responsible to in all of these people, in all these places? Is it neighbor, literally the person that lives next door to me? Or is it something bigger than that? Is it the person I go to church with? Is it the person that is a, another dad on the you know the sports team that my kid plays on? Who Who is my neighbor? And you know the way Jesus answers this. He answers that question with a story and a question, which I just love the way Jesus rolls. Uh, the story, right? It's one you're familiar with, the Good Samaritan. So he talks about this this guy, he's on a road trip, he, uh, he gets attacked, uh, it says that the, the robbers you know, strip him down, beat him, and leave him for dead on the side of the road. And then these, this priest and this Levite each pass by, and they pass by on the other side of the road. They, they don't take any, they see him but they make their way to make sure that they don't encounter him. And there's all kinds of opinions about what that might have looked like. Most of that we can, you know, we're always making assumptions. But for whatever reason, they didn't feel like loving on this guy was something that was their responsibility. And then it says the Samaritan walks by. Now, I can give you a lot of details on this, but in short, uh, the guy that's hurt and a Samaritan are from two different groups that do not like each other at all. So this is an enemy of him. He sees him, and it says in Luke 10 that he has compassion for him. Something happens inside of him when he sees this guy. And so he finds his laptop, he hooks up to the web, and he makes a a social media post about it. There's a guy on the side of the road, and he was really hurt, and it moved me with compassion, and you should be moved with compassion too. Y'all know that's not what he did, right? No. No, he 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 does something reckless. He he, he engages with man he, he he goes, he starts to meet his needs. I mean I mean, if he's been stripped, he's taken his own clothes, he's taken from his own provisions and provided for him, he goes to the lengths of taking him to an inn, paying, making sure that he, all of his needs are met, and then paying the innkeeper to take care of him while he left, and then he promises when he comes back, tells the innkeeper, I mean, this is the worst thing you could possibly do, tell the innkeeper, hey, you pay for whatever's needed here, and I'll just pay you back whatever the cost. That's a great way to get, you know, extortion <laughs> right there, Like, Hey, you, you, you've got my checkbook, just go spend it on this guy man, reckless, lavish, exactly what you would do for yourself. If you were walking by you, left for dead on the side of the road, what would you do for you? You would do this, wouldn't you? I know I would. (laughs) I would, I would go to whatever lengths it took to make me okay to meet my needs for sure it's crazy. This is an enemy of this Samaritan, and he goes through this trouble. And then, y'all, it is, it is wild. I had never caught this before. But then what Jesus says to the lawyer after he's told this story, he says, so who is the neighbor of the man? Now, remember, the question was, who's my neighbor that I'm supposed to love in this way? Jesus tells the story and then flips it and says, the neighbor is the Samaritan who showed love. It's crazy. Isn't, it isn't about who your neighbor is. It's about, are you going to be a neighbor? Not who qualifies to be loved, but am I someone who loves without qualifications? It's not a location thing. It's, not a, it's a question of your own heart, my own heart. Am I going to be a neighbor? which blows the bounds of location. It blows the bounds of everything else that you could try to put it in a box. Are you a neighbor? You know, when I think about this, it is difficult because there are just so many needs. And it is easy to get overwhelmed. Even if you just take out the rest of the world or take out our, our state or our or a bigger community, and you just talk about the people that I am in relationship with, the needs are massive. But then I also do care. <laughs> I do care about the person on the other side of the planet who's in need. And I want to be a part of that too. And it can, it can be really overwhelming. And I heard a guy say this one time, and I think it's just a really powerful thought that uh, comes back to me often, that we should do for one what we wish we could do for all. You know, we get, we get caught up in uh, the overwhelming part of that, and so we just get paralyzed because we're overwhelmed. And the truth is, there are needs right next to you. This morning, there are needs right next to you, and you may be the one in need and somebody's next to you. And we could be <laughs> overwhelmed with what's out there and miss what's right here, right here. It's not either or it's both and but for sure it's the thing that's in front of you that you can do right now and the question is are you are you a neighbor and then the last question that i'd have for us is what does this kind of love look like i mean because it is a i mean if that story is a indication this is a crazy kind of love and i think it's interesting that you know he says that it these commands, they sum up all the others, right? On these two commands depend all of the law and the prophets. That's a huge statement. You know Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount that he didn't come to abolish the law and the prophets, but to fulfill them. And so there's this picture of what Jesus is talking about is not, not different than, than you know, Old Testament law. This is the fulfillment of what, what it was all about. How is that true? Well, if you think about it, just as a summation, the summation, the Ten Commandments, right? So you go through these, these don'ts. Have no other gods before me. Don't have idols. Don't use the Lord's name in vain. That is a picture of, man, I love the Lord God with all of my heart, soul, and mind, right? So I don't put anything else as a higher priority. I don't worship another God. I don't, I don't make idols and put my hope there. I don't, I don't use his name. without. It, it means something to me because he has all of my heart. And then there's the, so a couple of do commands. Do Sabbath rest. It's important for you to to do that. That in your in your cycle, that you know, man. There's I need to I need to stop. I need to recognize how small I am, how big God is, the freedom I have that He's given me over the things that I have to do on this planet under the sun. I do honor my parents. That's an action thing that I do. But I don't murder because you know what? That's not loving, <laughs> right? Oh, love my, it's just not, that's, that might seem like the most obvious, but that's what it's, it's not loving to, to take someone's life, it's not loving to commit adultery, it's not loving to steal from somebody else, it's not loving to tell lies, it's not loving to act in envy and jealousy, those are not loving things, and Jesus is calling us, yeah, those are the don'ts, but the do is next level, don't do that, Boom, 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 boom. Do this. Love like you want to be loved. That's what it looks like. Jesus also, in John 15, he says, My command is this love each other as I have loved you. So the picture Jesus gives us is not just like, don't hurt somebody. The picture Jesus gives us is leaving comfort to go meet the needs and care for others bringing all the resources and energy that you have to bear to meet the need of somebody else sacrificially. Whew. That's huge. And y'all, the way, the way we do that at the, at the Grove, the, the best mechanism, if you're going to organize it at all, that we have is, is small groups. And there are folks out here this morning, man, you, you honestly, you need to be leading a small group. You need to be helping, care, and connect other people. There's also a lot of folks out here that maybe you haven't connected in that way yet, and you you desperately need that. We need that. And one reason we need it is because we need that outlet to obey this command. We need a place where we know the needs of somebody else enough that we'll take the effort and energy to meet it. If you don't know, I've noticed that for me, it's a really good way to absolve myself from responsibility if I just don't know. You know, raising kids, I've seen that. Some, sometimes I just kind of close my ears because I don't, I don't want to know because I know I'm going to have to go deal with that. Sometimes yeah. we keep ourselves separate from other people because we know if we knew, then we would feel compelled by the spirit within us to go do something about that need. And that's the place that we meet Jesus. That's, that's the place that life is found. Both for the person that you meet, that you, you meet their need, but I don't think we talk enough about also for you. The thing that we miss out on, if we let time pass and we're not helping somebody else, your life may be going really well, but because you're not helping anybody else, it's just dry and lifeless. I talked to somebody the other day about this, but they were just bored. And there were needs all around them, but they were just bored. And and they started to get really critical. Because that's what you do when you get bored. You know? You know? This is a really hard um, confession for me to make. It may seem really simple, but I think maybe that's kind of the point. I I had a friend a couple weeks ago that was in. He's a a missionary. He and his family live in Cairo. And I'm talking, this is a guy that I have known a really long time, one of my closest friends in the world, and um, been through a lot together. And, you know, he's back every two years or so, and we'll grab lunch or some time together. And so we were doing that. And uh, I ordered us some lunch, and um, you know we're just talking through life, talking through all the things that's going on. The heart, I'm trying to do all I can to try to love on him and care for him well. And that, this little time, listen to him, hear him out. I ordered lunch, and he went to the restroom, and lunch came, and I was I was laying out, you know, divvying out the food, and he and I had ordered the same thing, and it's like this this wrap, and I've ordered a lot from this restaurant, and I know that. They don't always do a good job of putting the same amount of food in each item. And a lot of times, uh, one of their wraps will have a lot of chicken, and sometimes they won't have much chicken. And a lot of times, you know. And I'm used to with a family where I'm the one that usually eats the most. You know, I'll kind of weigh them and give myself the one that's the heaviest. Because, you know, I'm the one that's batting clean up on the meal anyway. So I'll, I, I'll just kind of give that to myself. And so I picked up the two burritos and I had them in my hand, weighing them, y'all thinking to myself, which one's the heaviest because that's the one I'm going to give to me. And uh, and I just got really, really convicted that that's, that's where my heart was, that I was with this friend, trying to love this friend, trying to do this. But then when it came down to it, I was going to take care of myself before I was going to take care of him. And how ugly that was, that's what was in me. And again, you know, all that, that may seem like a really, really small thing, but I think it's indicative of what goes in our heart. I was talking to somebody in between services about this and how most of these things that we do are, are so, we're so used to doing them, caring for ourselves and putting others, you know, down the, the road of what's important to us, that it's, it's subconscious. We just do it. We do it and we don't even think about it. I'm going to ask you this morning to consider this command. Love your neighbor as yourself. What is the thing, the biggest obstacle that would keep you from that? And what is the next action point to take right now, today? We've got it here in a few weeks uh, as school starts back and as we get back into a rhythm, we're going to launch all the, the small groups and all the things We need leaders for those small groups. We need people that are willing to say, hey, I want to start to be known and not in the shadows anymore, all those things. And there's going to be all kinds of opportunities. And the question is for you, are you going to take that step forward? So even as we sing these songs, maybe, you know, in the back there's communion, there's the chance to to think more deeply about it at your seat. Don't let this moment pass by without considering what this command means in your world. All right, let me pray for us. Father, I, I do... Um, just recognize that it is a supernatural work for us, me, selfish people, to think outside of ourselves and to really think about the person next to us. I have definitely seen that it's not the 8,000 miles uh, to this other place to go care for somebody that's difficult. That's just a a plane ticket uh, and a passport, but the, you know, the, the 20 steps to cross aisles in a church service, the, you know, the 150 steps to cross from my front door to the person who lives across the street from me, it's, the, it's those, it's those places. It's, the, it's that last leg that uh, seems so difficult And I'm asking that you would do that thing in our heart, that supernatural thing that we would see with your eyes and be compelled with your love uh, to make a difference. And Father, at the end of the day, we would believe that in doing that, there's this huge blessing of being in step with you and watching you work in other people's and in our own life. Father, I ask it for your namesake and glory. Amen.
0: Thanks again for joining us on our sermon podcast, and you can learn more about us at thegrovechurch.org. And if you go to thegrovechurch.org connect, there's a form you could fill out. Just let us know that you've been listening. And if you want to dig deeper on some of these topics that we cover in our sermon podcast or just in other issues of dealing with culture or theology, those kinds of things, uh, you can check out our Cultivate podcast, which is on the same feed, um, however you found this particular podcast. So again, this is Charlie, the lead pastor at The Grove, and thank you so much for joining us.